So today I'm sharing a conversation with Melanie Medlin, who's going to be sharing tips for creating better relationships. And this is such an important element for aligned success because we are always in relationships with others. Now, Melanie is a family success coach who works with parents and adolescents in the areas of communication and leadership. She teaches active listening, effective communication, and boundary setting to create a family culture where everyone thrives. This is such a great conversation, and it can be applied to every relationship in our lives. But if you think about it, our relationships with adolescents, especially if you're a parent, are the toughest, most challenging relationships we will ever be called upon to create. And if you can do it well, you will reap the benefits for the rest of your life. So stay tuned. Welcome to The Inspired Way, the podcast and leaders community for heart-centered women with a big vision and drive to make a difference in the world. This podcast is for you if you're ready to create rapid results and flow in your life, business, or career. I'm your host, CJ Rivard. With over 25 years in executive leadership, I bring practical business and leadership advice combined with personal growth strategies, energy alignment, and manifestation techniques to help conscious female leaders, business owners, and entrepreneurs live their most expansive and abundant life. Join us weekly for actionable tips and insights from myself and the brilliant guest experts I interview to help you create aligned success. Visit theinspiredwave.com for more free resources and information. Now is the perfect time for you to take aligned action toward living your soul's purpose. And I'm so excited you're here. All right. Well, welcome back, everyone. As you heard, I am here with Melanie, who is a parenting expert today, and I'm so excited about this conversation. Do not go away if you're not a parent, because she is going to be sharing some tips that apply to really all of our communication and our relationships. So stick with us. Melanie, thank you so much for being here with me. Well, thank you, CJ, for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here. Just looking forward to this conversation. So let's see. Well, to start with, they just heard a little Mm -hmm. bit about you, but why don't you expand the frame a little bit and tell us a little more that doesn't come up in your bio? Because I just think, I mean, obviously you're from a different part of the world than I am. And you just have so many little interesting things about where you live and what you do. Well, thank you. So I live in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and I am mum of three beautiful, I'm going to call them rangatahi, that's our Māori word for young people, can range from anywhere in the ages between 8 to 28. So it's kind of that adolescent adolescent age range. Um, My eldest daughter is 22, and I have twins who are a boy and a girl, and they are 19, just turning 20 very soon. So I have these three beautiful young adults that I parent on my own. Two of them live at home. No, sorry, two of them live away from home. One of them lives at home. And so it's been, you know, navigating this change that's come up in our family as my children have grown and begun to leave the nest as such and to move out into the world. Personally, myself, I love 
being around the bush, being around the beach. We have a family dog that belongs to my eldest daughter who still living at home. So it comes for walks with me every day and that keeps me nice and fit as well. And it's all about, you know, really for me, parenting my children now and being really connect with those children. Because even though they look like, when you look at them, they look like young adults, they actually value me and they value my input into their lives. And that's a really beautiful place to be in. So I feel very, very privileged and fortunate to have this gorgeous relationship with all of my children. That's amazing. Well, but I know that you've worked at it. Mm. It hasn't always been that way. And you've been very, very intentional in nurturing and developing that relationship. Mm. So why don't you tell us how you got involved in being a parenting coach? So you have an education Mm. background. Mm -hmm. right? That's right. Yeah. I used to be a primary school teacher. So for those of us outside of New Zealand, I used to teach sort of five-year-olds really, so that real beginning school time. And I've been in that for coming up 30 years by the time I left. And during that time in my last couple of years, my eldest daughter, there was a sort of a family crisis in the wider family that we had. And my eldest daughter, the year after, just went downhill. At that stage, she was 17. She was in her final year at what we call college. I guess you would call it high school. And she was, you know, a perfectionist. She wanted, she was a really driven young woman who just wanted to get top marks and everything. And she wanted to be in medicine and the world was her oyster. And she was a gymnast and competing and just all on anything she did in life. She just went for it 100%. And really she then, when she threw herself into experiencing anxiety, she went for it there too, 100%. So so she just almost overnight just went, well, it wasn't overnight. When I look back, there were huge, there were signs coming in that I just hadn't seen. I wasn't wanting to see them or I just hadn't, I just genuinely missed them because I didn't know what I was looking for. Some of those first signs of her going downhill were kind of like you think, oh, she's a teenager, you know, she's meant to sleep late. Those sorts of things. But it turns out that, you know, she's not meant to sleep late every single day and really struggle to get out of bed, which was where she got to pretty quickly, sort of within a couple of months. She had, we'd gone off to the doctor. She'd started on medication. She was seeing a child psychologist through our system and she just was spiraling downhill at an alarmingly, alarmingly fast rate. And so I took time off work and spent a lot of time going to appointments with her. And where we ended up in the system was with, we they ran out of child psychologists here. And so she worked with a registered nurse who had, she herself wasn't trained as a psychologist, but she was young and she was the right person for my daughter to be connecting with as a professional. And so this nurse would turn up at our sessions every week with some pages she'd photocopied out of a cognitive behavioral therapy book. And we would talk through the exercises and then Alex and I would go home together and we would do them together at home. And so I was really like, it was an amazing way to learn how to support her between her sessions. Because initially, and that when she first got sick, I was wanting every other professional in the world to wave their magic wand and make my daughter better. And it took a while before I realized that actually she's not going to get better until she decides to get better. And she's going to decide to get better 
my stepping up is going to hasten that progress. So we just went for it. So huge, huge learning curve, very steep learning curve coming up and for me. And then when I discovered this transformational communication training that sort of came a bit later on, that really helped to support her as she was getting herself back into life after school. And it also, interestingly, like I started to feel better about myself as a parent. My kids didn't know what I was doing differently, but they liked it. And everybody, like the atmosphere in our house started to change. And then they were nicer to each other as well, because then they're modeling how I'm talking to them. So they're modeling that then amongst themselves. And it just started to have this beautiful ripple effect. At that time, everyone I talked to seemed to be having stories to share around teenage crises, that mental health crises that were going on. And so I thought, well, actually, I've learned a whole lot in these last few years. And I'm just ready to share this and make a difference to other people's lives as well. Sort of, yeah, it's been, it started from really personal learning and it's just rippled out from there. You know, being a mother of four, I Mm. know from experience of, you know, young adults, Mm. teens and young adults, those are tough ages. I mean, Mm. their children don't come with manuals, no matter what age they're at. I can remember struggling and Mm. I don't know. I just had this picture of parents magically knowing what to do before I was one. So it's such a challenge. I think this concept of having parenting coaches is Mm. amazing. I don't think I ever heard of them until I was a coach, though, you know, recently. But it's just such a difficult new time in our lives. And Teenagers, even preteens, I know I had a couple that started in the preteen years, Mm -hmm. can be so challenging. (laughs) So if there's no manual, having a coach help navigate those Mm -hmm. challenges is just Mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah, because it is a change, you know, those teenage years, their brains are really under construction in such a lot of ways and what you're finding worked for you when the kids were little and it kept them safe you know like get off the road (laughs) you know it's just a command you're gonna say it when a car's coming it makes sense but when your teenager is you know going off to meet meet their boyfriend and they're quite determined to do that you saying get back into the house just not gonna work (laughs) so you just kind of have to And yet these things just come out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. You know, you've heard them when you're growing up and then you've parented your children to keep them safe when they're little. And then all of a sudden, as these brains begin to go under construction when they're teenagers, tweens, teens, they begin to push back. And they're actually meant to. This is like a human, we're human mammals, you know, we're mammals. Human beings are mammals. And it's like part of the whole mammalian structure of a brain is that in order to get a stronger species of this mammal, they're going to move away from the nest, so to speak. So it's actually really important that your kids learn how to move away from the nest. And they do that by pushing back on the people they feel safest with. That's where they try all their experiments out on. You know, that's where they're gonna they're gonna be, you know, fine for the teacher at school, maybe, but an absolute toe rag at home, you know. Yes. So because they know they're safe with you and yeah. they're going to push it. 
and push those boundaries. And that's actually, you know, we can take it so personally. Oh my God, I'm such a bad parent. <laughs> Look what my child's done to me. <laughs> In reality, it's actually like a really good learning opportunity for everyone. It yeah, really so. is. I'm sorry, as you were talking, I was just thinking I, you know, as a leadership coach, I talk a lot about emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. and how we need to learn to regulate our emotions and not be Mm -hmm. triggered so that we can diplomatically navigate typically in the workplace Mm -hmm. with, you know, and persuade and influence and lead. But it's so interesting. It's the same skills at home to not react when Mm. they're pushing your buttons and they know Mm. which buttons Mm. to push Mm. and take it personally. Yeah. You know, it's that shifting of perspective. It's not about me. It's Mm. just this Mm. thing they're going through. But for me, Mm. and I think it's true for a lot of people because, you know, you care more when it's the home environment whether it's a significant other or your children, Mm -hmm. those triggers are a lot easier to get set off. Don't you think? Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. And you can go from not triggered to triggered and less than than the blink. Like you think how fast you blink. So if you blink once, you think how quick that is. Your amygdala inside your brain, that fight, flight or freeze response inside your brain is four times faster than a blink. So that's how fast you can actually be triggered. Um, And it's not just our children being triggered, it's also us being triggered. And then of course, when we're both triggered, we're actually not going to resolve anything at that point in time. (laughs) You might be stronger than them for now. You might be able to yell more. You might be able to kowtow them to do what you need them to do. But in the long run, is that actually going to serve your relationship with them? If they feel that you are actually not there to listen to them, that you're just grinding them down, you're not trusting, you're not someone that they can trust you at all. So, you know, you kind of need to be able to connect with them first before you can correct them, you know, and guide them. So they have to have that buy-in in order for your guidance to be worthwhile. It kind of makes sense even, again, just thinking about adult conversations if emotions are inflamed, even on one mm. side of the conversation, mm. you're not going to resolve things the way you would like until everybody has deflated and calmed down. So, yeah, of course. That's right. Yeah. That's the 120 beats per minute. After that, you know, your heart beats per minute. After that, you can't, you literally cannot hear what people are saying much less respond to it. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the work of the Gottmans from the Gottman Institute, John and Julie Gottman, and they have done experiments to prove this. You know, they have all these couples wired up. They are monitoring blood pressure and heart rate and everything. And when the conversation gets heated, they'll say to them, oh, listen, guys, sorry, our equipment's just a bit faulty. It's it's not recording properly. So can you guys just like chill for maybe 20 minutes or so, just, you know, different corners, go and read a magazine or something, time out. And so, of course, their equipment's not broken and, they're you know, they've been monitoring the heartbeats. And once they're down to that, you know, 70 or so, that's a resting heartbeat, then they bring them back together again. And within a few minutes, uh, something is resolved. You know, it's resolved really quickly, really easily. 
it's not which are they you know you're just making it worse once once you're responding from your amygdala right, <laughs> so, right. so when yeah. you get into your thinking brain mm, adult mm. brain yeah you can respond instead of react mm, that is just mm. yeah yeah makes such a and it's, um, right there you have to yeah. like everybody calm mm, down first mm, mm, yeah even if with your teenagers even if you have a you know a family sign like it might just be a tea for time out or it might be a let's pause you know just pushing pause just you just have to be as the adult that's such a crucial skill to model for your kids say to them i'm getting wound up i need to take a breath yeah kids will go yeah (laughs) wow That, can we continue this in a few minutes? That's great modeling. That is, mm. a, I've never heard that suggested before. Yeah. Mm. I'm a little mm. heated here. I need to go take a break. Yeah. And that yeah. that's really good because you're not putting it on them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You're, more inflamed. Yeah. <laughs> totally. You're owning it yourself. Yeah. And in that time, like as an adult, if you can actually calm yourself down, you know, just hand on your heart, mm-hmm. do some deep breathing, really like that belly breathing. I've taught my kids all how to belly breathe, you know, how like your belly actually moves outwards as you're taking an in-breath and just that hand on the heart or that hug, that self-compassionate hug. And just, hey, saying to yourself, hey, this is not how we wanted this conversation to go, you know. Hey, you're doing a good job. You've got the best of intentions, you know, just calm down and we're going to try this again. You know, just real, you know, just that nice, firm, compassionate touch to just calm yourself down. I love that. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it really does allow for a much better, much smoother track to connect. Um, So other than not addressing things when you're wound up, well, I know you talk a lot about roadblocks to communication. Mm. I mean, it sounds like, you know, in a nutshell, what we want to foster is better communication mm. in general. Mm. But there are, mm. what are some of the roadblocks that, yeah. that come up besides inflamed emotions? Yeah. yeah. So I think the first thing that parents often think is that in order to be in charge, they have to be the one who's doing the talking. and it's actually the reverse. They need to be the ones who are doing the listening. And when I say listening, I mean really connected listening. So not just mm-hmm, mm-hmm, blah, 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 and then firing back your response, but actually, so what you're telling me is, or this is what I'm hearing you say, and just, you know, reflecting back to them what it is that they think, what their concerns are. And at this moment, you're probably going, yeah, but how do you ever get them to do what you what they're told? But when your children feel heard, you know, and so many of us, were grow, we grew up, I was told as a child, I should be seen and not heard. And so many of us take that on when we're parenting. We think we have to be heard. But actually, when our children are heard, that is then when they will learn to listen to you. And that's just such a reverse. Again, beautiful modeling and such a reverse from what it's been like when they've been little, when you've been in charge and you've done all the talking and they've just kind of had it rain down on their heads, you know, Um, and they've taken so much in subconsciously. 
It's so funny because you started out earlier talking about how, you know, we don't want to become like our parents. And then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. these things come out of your mouth because they're, I mean, they're living in our subconscious. And all of a Mm. sudden, you know, you hear your parent coming out of your mouth. (laughs) You're like, oh, damn it. (laughs) And you didn't like it when you were a kid. And then all of a sudden... (laughs) Yeah. yeah, now it comes again. So, you know, if you've ever heard yourself and saying, pointing your finger at your kid and saying, this is your fault, you know, that kind of parenting, it's how often are they being blamed for things when really that's putting you into that conflict triangle straight away as opposed to, okay, can we just rewind what's happened here? Yeah. Yeah. If I had a video camera and I was watching this as a movie, what would I see happen? Right. Yeah, because everyone's yeah. got their own perspective. And yeah. then there's that other one from over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So really powerful to just yeah. have your, you know, have yourself centered and grounded, be in a really good listening space and just be able to say to your kids, you know, what's going on here? And then also for yourself as a parent to be going back through these crises that our kids bring us and thinking about what it is that you can learn yourself, you know, what is this parenting challenge teaching me right. <laughs> about, about the way I'm turning up in the world? So there's a whole lot of stuff there and what benefits are hidden inside this? You know, so when I think about Alex's anxiety and depression that she experienced, you know, it wasn't pleasant for me or for her or for her siblings or for the people who are connected to our wider family at all. And yet the benefits that have come out of that as a family, that we're all so connected, where the kids themselves are very strongly there for each other, you know, that we're all able, all my children are able to have these deep conversations with their friends because they've seen them modelled at home, you know, they all show up as great humans out in the world because of what we learned through that crisis time, you know. And now when somebody says to us, oh, you know, I'm really feeling really anxious about something, you know, we show up differently. Don't just say, oh, you'll be right or harden up or, yeah, you know, this happens or something like we actually know how to take things to a whole new level because that's what we learned. <laughs> so we do things differently. So it just has this ripple effect that has to keep going. Well, yeah, we're on our journeys for a reason. You certainly mm. wouldn't be doing what you do. You mm. the family hadn't hadn't lived through yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And while I wouldn't wish it on anybody to go through a teenage crisis like that, yeah, it certainly we've come out We've been fortunate. We've come out the other side of it, but we've also had a lot of learning from it that we've capitalized on. Right. I feel like, and I haven't looked at the statistics, but I just feel like it's more prevalent now. And the idea Mm. of having these kinds of crises with teens and young adults or even preteens is just, it's more common than it was I don't know how many years ago, because, you know, I just recently had young adults and teens. But But even pre-COVID to now, it's much more intense now as well. Certainly for our young people, our rangatahi, they are um, really experiencing that anxiety and depression a lot more strongly than they used to. And, you know, unfortunately, like 
we technically we live in God's zone and yet we have the highest teenage suicide rate in the world, in the Western world, in New Zealand. So, you know, it's really important. Like I don't throw that out lightly, but I want parents to take it seriously that it does sit at the back of some people's minds, of teenage minds, and they're far more impulsive because their brain is under construction and things can just happen that probably weren't fully intended by the teenager and definitely not what the parents would have been asking for. And that, you know, is just such a tragedy. So, you know, teenagers themselves, like that is the leading cause of death. Right. And the teenage, you know, between 15 and 19, it's the leading cause of death for teenagers is through their own actions. So that's of concern. Guess part of what you try and convey is just that, you know, if you're keeping those communication channels open, Mm. it's easier to at least see that there's a problem there to be able to. Yeah. Well, first of all, the teenagers are seen and heard. They know that. And that actually in itself, you don't have to have the answers to the problems. All you need to do is just see them and hear them and acknowledge what they're telling you. So that in itself is huge. And then also when they know that you will see them and hear them without judging them, then you've got a far higher chance of actually being able to guide them Mm. and guide them through maybe, you know, the next hour is the roughest hour of their young lives or the next week, but just knowing that you're there to guide them. Yeah, makes the world a difference to a teenager when those problems just feel like they're insurmountable. We know that you can get through these things. We know because we've got, you know, the benefit of hindsight and right. a different view. But teenagers don't. They no, don't. And boy, I would not mm. want to live through those teenage years for anything. Mm. Like they were tough back when I was a teenager, yeah. which was the yeah, dark exactly. ages. Yeah. <laughs> now they're yeah. worse. And yes. yeah, would not mm. want to go there. It's a really tough mm. time of life. Yeah. And, and they yeah. do need all the support they can be given. Yeah. So what do you say when a parent is kind of struggling with the idea of being too permissive and that, I don't know, that transition from childhood yeah. and that yeah. pulling away and yeah. that, I mean, obviously it's a personal thing, I mm-hmm. think, like mm-hmm. you're comfortable mm-hmm. with how mm-hmm. you're comfortable, but that's a hard time because you're trying to figure out. How much? And that's such a good question too, because that's often, and I know for myself, that's exactly where I went. Like I looked at these roadblocks to communication and there's the four ones that are really quite in your face and nasty. So there's the blamer and the judge and the sarcasm and the interrogator. But then there's also denial, which is, and that's like where I went next. So instead of actually addressing the problem of Alex not wanting to get out of bed, I was like, oh, it's okay, honey, sleep as long as you like. You know, I understand that you need to have this extra sleep as a teenager. I'm sure the teacher won't mind you being late to school. You know, it's kind of, and that's actually, while it feels a lot nicer to the teenager, it's actually equally as ineffective as a parenting tool because it's not bringing you any closer to setting those boundaries or addressing any of those problems that teenagers actually need us to do. So. And it keeps us in that drama triangle of being the victim or the, you know, laying the blame, being the persecutor or being the rescuer. 
it keeps us there and it stops them being self-responsible and becoming an empowered person. And so it's stopping them using their problem solving and growth right. muscles. We actually want to be able to guide them to use. Yeah. Yeah. So you can easily go into that. Yeah. I'll be your friend kind of zone as well. And yeah. Well, be good. Nicer. We're not yelling. <laughs> exactly. It feels a lot nicer, but actually it's equally as ineffective <laughs> when it comes to guiding your teenager's behavior because you're still not like you might have that nice superficial kind of, yeah, everything's okay, but you're still not getting to those deep connected conversations and you're certainly not solving any problems with them or guiding them to solve any problems. So, yeah. So are there any red flags to make someone think, oh, that might be me. Am I doing that? Like the denier. Or, yes. I mean, if you're arguing all the time, there's a flag, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But the Yeah, so if you have a look at that Roblox to communication to that freebie, you'll see in there that there's quite succinct descriptions of what everybody is doing. It would take me at least an hour to go through each okay. category here, right. and I know we don't have the time. Let me yeah. interrupt right there and just say that Melanie has provided us with a guidebook it's an e-book. for us, yeah, an it's e-book. A- which yeah. we will link mm. in the show notes, complimentary, yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the roadblocks to communication. Yes, absolutely. Um, so please yeah. take advantage of that. Yes. All right. So we won't get exactly. into all the details there. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, just for time's sake, because that's what I talk on when I go to schools and give hour-long talk. It's all quite <laughs> into those don't categories. Have all that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But just, you know, you know, as a parent, like you want the best for your for your young person. You want them to grow up to be happy and successful and to be able to navigate life's challenges with, you know, with love and peace as they go out in the world and to live a joyful life. That's really what every parent wants for our children. And if you want to be the parent who's actually able to guide them as they go through that, it's really about changing the way you listen to how your kids are showing up in the world. Yeah. Right. Mm. Well, yeah, that sounds like a great resource And this has been a very enlightening conversation. And I hope that as you've been listening, you can see, even if you don't have children or teens, how this might relate to the relationships in your life, especially people you care about, not necessarily the workplace, although Mm -hmm. everyone wants to be heard. Yeah. Yeah. So listening Mm -hmm. and emotional regulation and all Mm. of that just has, I mean, application everywhere. Mm. But I hope you see how this pertains everywhere. You don't want to deny situation. You want to address them, Mm. but calm place and leading with love. Yes, 100%. And still getting your needs met. You know, it's not about giving in completely because our teenagers need us to be their parents. They don't need us to be their friends. They need us to be their parents. And that involves, you know, making calls that that might not be their favorite thing. <laughs> but you can right. still do that with love. Sometimes yeah. you have to be the bad guy, the parent. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to win an award for, you know, parent of the year. <laughs> so, Julie, where can everyone learn more about you or connect with you? Where would you like to send us? Oh, okay. So I'm at beautifulconversations.co.nz. And you can find me there. If you scroll down to the end of the homepage, you can sign up for, it's a fortnightly Hanui, uh, a newsletter that I send out with extra parenting tips that I don't share anywhere else on social media. 
You can find me on YouTube and I think I'm called Beautiful Conversations there as well. Facebook, I'm called Getting to the Heart of the Matter. And that's the main places that you'll find me. I love that. I love all of those names. Mm -hmm. And we will link all of that in the show notes so you don't have to remember it. Because, yes, she is in a few platforms that you'll be able to connect with her. Mm. This was a beautiful conversation. Thank you, Melanie, for sharing your wisdom and your light with our listeners today. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much, CJ. I really have loved being here. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Have an amazing day. Thanks for listening. I so appreciate you being here. And if you've enjoyed the show, please consider taking a quick minute to leave us a five-star review. It would go a long way toward others finding us. Make it a great day.